Section 12 of The Bookman, March 1921, by Various. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Bookman, March 1921, by Various. Section 12. Maxwell Struthers Burt, by Blanche Colton Williams. Winner of the O. Henry Memorial Short Story Prize, 1920. Scribner's Magazine contained in the issue for July, 1915, a short story entitled The Waterhole. It was signed by a name hitherto unknown in fiction, Maxwell Struthers Burt. The narrative at once implicitly promised to reward the reader for his outlay of time and energy promised by a beginning that definitely conveyed the shaping up of material and subtly suggested forces drawing together for action as the story progressed it pictured the shimmering arizona desert under a steel blue sky and a heat so intense the horn of the saddle burned your hand it recounted a search for hidden treasure abandoned when through two logical mishaps the water supply failed it described realistically the tortures of thirst assuaged the torture and pointed the climax at the waterhole no other than a man who knows adventure at first hand in the great west could have written the tale nor other than one whose past had been spent among books and ideas the hero of the waterhole is represented as telling his story to three classmates at the end is the twist of surprise which links the narrator with the love element delicately inwoven only by the surprise does the author disclose his apprenticeship and that may have been admissibly a concession to the fashion in fiction by every hallmark the story is the sure product of the craftsman the waterhole was the forerunner of other stories nearly all of which combine the mountains and plains of the west with the club life of the east stories of restaurants where men get together over glasses of leave it at that over glasses and the most exotic food or where ladies and gentlemen gather in a dining room around impeccable linen plate and crystal as his west identifies mr burt with adventure so the east identifies him with gentlefolk the first quality in his fiction is truth to life as he knows it life and vision through the temperamental lens of the artist of a philadelphia family mr burt was born in baltimore october eighteenth eighteen eighty two i am an ect philadelphian he says of himself bred in the bone for many generations but since the age of eighteen when i went to college i have been what i think is called an escaped philadelphian my family still live there but i don't he was educated in private schools in philadelphia very badly he thinks as most men of my generation were getting through school somewhat earlier than is usual he worked for two years as reporter on the philadelphia times under the man who had been private secretary to lincoln colonel a k mcclure at the tender age of sixteen the boy was probably the youngest philadelphia reporter in newspaper days of hard drinking and fakes my last week i had one murder 
two suicides and three fires if i remember correctly he says i don't think that was very good for a boy of seventeen when he was old enough he went to princeton where in nineteen o four he took his bachelor's degree later to munich for a year then to merton college oxford throughout his prose and poetry the academic shadows of princeton and oxford towers lie lightly over the brave exploits of his heroes subduing their adventures to a mellowness never approached by unmodified highlights of risk and hazard to princeton mr burt avows himself indebted even for his love of nature or appreciation of nature in certain phases in gifts he lists a number of things he has learned from his alma mater warm winds bringing elm scent love of the sun open fields in windy weather and love of bells across the fields at dusk he intended to take a degree at oxford but when a vacancy occurred at princeton they called him back to teach and there he remained for three years he had already won distinction in student days being very much mixed up in the triangle club for which i wrote two librettos meantime while teaching he spent his summers in the west gradually acquiring interests in various ranches ultimately he settled in jackson hole wyoming where he owns a partnership in ranch bar b c as the nomenclature indicates this is a cattle ranch another the partners devote to dude ranching for the uninitiated mr burke patiently explains that a dude is a non-resident of a country the word carries with it none of the contemptuous connotation of tenderfoot a dude ranch is a sort of glorified summer hotel where people are given horses taught the ways of the west and taken on pack trips mr burt's summer home his much wandering over the west and his wide interests account for his pictures and his knowledge of the blazing heat of arizona its rattlesnakes and scorpions of the big cloud river region its groves of aspen trees delicate and ghostly silver of the pelly lakes and the river francis its black rocks upjutting through the white spray of its falls of the southern wyoming desert its yellow and red buttes and stunted cactus all of it under a sky of piercing blueness out there men drive cattle in blizzards over gray expanses of sagebrush or in time of drought see them die stark mad while dust devils dance along the ridge out there too men know peace under alumerous fir tops or under myriad hosts of tall pines white under the magic of the moon the jackson hole county is the most beautiful in the united states he thinks and in this view he is supported by the testimony of the late colonel roosevelt and of owen wister mr burt's love of contrast of widely dissimilar states and kingdoms urges him to know life from opposing outlooks and to mirror their diversity in his art when tired of his ranch when desirous of gaiety he turns like the narrator of the glory of the wild green earth to the east i wanted to come back to the unexpected quiet and aloofness of a club says he to low-voiced well-scrubbed servants to a bed of cool sheets to a morning of a valet and a porcelain tub and new and beautiful clothes if he becomes nostalgic for the west 
he turns again to quote, the great scarred beauty of a lonely land and seeks ever to keep renewed an hundred dreams of plains that brood by wide unwearying streams of how archangels hold red sunset peaks winged with a flaming splendor desolate this love of the west is inherited as his love for the conventions is bred in the bone his great-grandfather he suspects must have been some sort of sandfiner for having to leave ireland between sundown and sun up he turned fur trader in the west then there was an uncle who when he left princeton became a cattleman in arizona and california it was from this uncle that max burke learned when he was eight years of age how to throw a rope an art he never forgot between the indoor comforts of civilization and the outdoor thrills of the rancher's life mr burke experiences a joie de vivre that manifests itself minutely and concretely in his poems and his prose though he loves the mountain peaks big ones with snow and pine forests better than anything else in the world he waits not upon them but finds contentment in a lake between the hills surrounded by sedges murmurous with bees he savors the immediate sweetness of damp hay or a garden wet with showers with a keen relish as he whips the air blown cold from the snow-capped tetona in his love for nature he is a descendant of wordsworth as in his modernity he is a kinsman of rupert brooks and alfred noyes he must have delighted in the rhythm of granchester before composing his sprightly spring in princeton which celebrates the jersey meadows golden with daffodil resonant with birdsong and the little town of towers silvery gray and high there as the sun folds down its wings on every lawn a robin sings and kindly people take their tea under an elm or maple tree it is the same poem which captures a picturesque moment of new york i think there's nothing like at dark to see the lamps in central park turn yellow in the purple gloom to huge gold lilies dripping bloom and watch the great walls through the night ripple to towers of fabulous light other verses ring echoes of mr noyes as these from the flute player and barrel organs everywhere make songs for little children's feet and oh the chestnut trees are sweet with mr noyes he has more than a passing acquaintance as one may infer from the fact that he and the english poet are co-editors of a book of princeton verse nineteen sixteen although it is true that the greater number of his poems proclaim mr burke the celebrant of external nature even as his stories declare him yet a few of subjective mood reveal him the nature mystic interested in the soul of nature as his stories show him concerned in essential human character half concealed under the outer man after the death of a loved sister jean brooke burt an author of promise who died july fourth nineteen eighteen he published a series of sonnets entitled resurgum in the final one the fifth he has an equivalent of shelley's he is made one with nature in the line all this i know is part of your new dream yet he is not successful in achieving the faith of the nature mystic as wordsworth was successful 
rain which he loves to consider objectively becomes a cold and dreary thing in his quatrain question of fantasy he has a gift like that of the earlier american joseph rodman drake a gift which enables him to write in martin of quote, a little man with cap of red and horn-brown lamp of glow-worm light unquote. this dower of fantasy again rises to imaginative heights in his story wings of the morning which suggests the return of a ghostly aviator more artificially and less happily it appears in fishing in an oscar wilde strain Quote, beside the kitchen stove the cat blinked twice with eyes of gold and yawned with infinite contempt for sleep is new and old is fishing on the nile once with mysterious feline guile in moonlit temple shadowed bays were caught bright fins in other days it is not possible to find in wilde's the sphinx a stanza of which this is reminiscent but the resemblance in subject matter and rhythm is unmistakable the title of the poem intimates another interest of the author quite in keeping with his expressed love for fly-fishing and camping out the folk of mr burt's poems are treated much in the same way as those of his stories poem and story express his feeling for nature they show his opinion of people to be conditioned on intellectual appraisal mr latimer of the poems has his counterpart in sir john masters of a cup of tea in john may each is able to buy his mood or his heart's desire and yet not quite successfully uncle jim of the poems he who came to a marvellous harmony with the hills has for his prose parallels the seekers and wanderers in closed doors le panache and a cup of tea in poems to his family there is an affectionate linking of the human being and nature one need hardly read mr bird's own words about his wife fortunately she loves the west as much as i do to be aware of this truth after reading k n b in songs and portraits and various other lines in which reference to her is evident then of course mrs burt's the branding iron and hidden creek speak for her love of the open primavera to my daughter upon reaching four ends on a picture of himself and the child walking a field to trace out the piping of pan maxwell struthers burt met catherine newland at oxford in nineteen twelve while he was on a vacation from his ranch they were married in nineteen thirteen our families had known each other always, Mr. Burt remarks, but apparently it was necessary for us to go to Oxford to meet. There is a tradition that two writers do badly to get married to each other, but that certainly has not been the case with us. My wife is my most useful critic, and I trust I am hers. We are very savage with each other, but that doesn't seem to hurt our feelings mr burt's psychological interest in men and women remains his greatest asset for his narrative in closed doors the narrator says of murray that he should have been on his way to being a great painter but he wasn't hewitt explains the fault lies in the boy's character he spluttered how the devil can you paint a portrait when you can't get inside and don't want to get inside your subject's mind when you don't know what getting inside a mind is 
sense of beauty oh yes he's got a marvellous sense of beauty but you can't even paint a great landscape unless you have a perception of humanity in the end as in everything else you've got to know the taste of blood and smell of sweat it is the recognition of this truth joined to his love of the outer world which gives depth and beauty to the fiction of mr bird his stories are as he occasionally implies biographies a unique character gives him material for a series of chronological incidents all bearing on the man's individuality so far with one illustrious exception his chief characters are men these incidents rise to a nominal climax as notably in le Pinage and john omey to the death of the hero but leave the reader wondering questioning about him whose life has been partly bared and so irretrievably ended you would have liked to know these men you say yet you are rather sure you never would have understood them herein is another of mr burke's greatest gifts by his power to suggest by his challenge to the imagination he induces the reader to construct and to collaborate for at least a few critics le panache stands one of the best biographical stories of the decade though arguing that hugh craig might serve as the hero for a whole novel one must admit that his portrait is as complete as one need wish or as a longer work could make it he is a riddle man one seldom attempted never solved the utmost an author can do is to record him and to emphasize his ideal this ideal is that of cyrano de bergerac who hoped when he died to sweep the floor of heaven with the plumes of his hat his panache to keep such hope craig would wear a plume immaculate mr burt's story then is the life of a man or woman illuminated by a series of vivid flashes or by a single steady light poignancy he achieves by denying a character something the deprivation of which under similar circumstances would sadden him sir john masters fell short of being a gentleman as he also missed the love of the woman he had technically won knowing the magnificent villain has failed in a vital way the reader cannot but pay him the tribute of pity in spite of the contempt burnaby justly manifests john o'may like henry james man of the beast in the jungle missed the great thing though what it was or might have been for john is difficult to say perhaps the author relies too greatly upon the principle to determine your character's behavior at the crisis put yourself in his place not that the portraits are less objective but the initial presentation appears to spring from a single significant meeting or concept and to round to completion through the author's studying his own reflection sir john would hardly permit the self-betrayal set forth in a cup of tea in nineteen seventeen mr bird entered the army as a private in the aviation service the only story he published the year of the armistice wings of the morning scribner's july nineteen eighteen reprinted in john omey in its soaring quality and exalted mood achieved after serious study of apparently earth-anchored anne graham might be the narrative symbol of one who had learned superbly to wing the ether after trial runs over shard and clod 
the war was not without meaning to the art of this author in other respects as may best be found by reference to shining armor harper's july nineteen nineteen and the blood-red one scribner's november nineteen nineteen the indirection of these tales pursued through a means half allegorical wholly idealistic becomes a fine directness his fiction of nineteen twenty reverts to his earlier manner with a curiously provocative predominance of the culture element a dream or two harper's may nineteen twenty and bally old not scribner's august nineteen twenty employ foreign settings and more than elsewhere show him to be of the literary family of henry james edith wharton and john galsworthy his further kinship with them emerges in mood deliberation and easy dignity of sentence rhythm each in his generation scribner's july nineteen twenty swings back to an eastern city possibly new york for its setting and reveals the antagonism between successive generations for its struggle or dramatic element one may read to find the outcome of the conflict between temporal periods and race or merely to find out whether uncle henry left his money to adrian but only a jejune reader would be satisfied with the latter the outward story in its originality in its tour de force dramatization of a subjective theme and in its technical finish it is near the peak of the author's accomplishments the committee of award of the o henry memorial prize offered by the society of arts and sciences of new york city adjudged each in his generation the best story of the year it therefore receives the first prize of five hundred dollars for the best story by an american published in america in nineteen twenty mr burst's sympathies and likes occur frequently throughout this recapitulation lest he seem like a certain famous duchess to have a heart too soon made glad too easily impressed it is well to notice that he hates with exceeding definiteness a few things socialism except as a club held over other forms of government prohibition militarism land and water promoters this comes from living in the west automobiles dirty campers this includes picnickers who lead newspapers and most churches ending in ist not the individuals belonging to them but the policy of the churches i think the last is perhaps the most serious question confronting america today, and i cannot understand why more people don't see it accentuated by the war we are in for a knockdown fight between the sons of darkness and the sons of light it's an age-long struggle at present the sons of darkness materialism hatred of beauty narrowness and unwitting socialism of the most irksome kind are winning and it seems to me that the biggest job any writer can undertake is to combat them not by tracts of course not even with them very much in his mind but by his attitude and everything he does we have the loveliest country in the world we are trying to make it materially and spiritually the most unlovely End of section twelve